beautiful sound. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Lotcast from Trinity Road Times. We got the whole crew with us this week. Joel is back with us after a couple weeks away uh, uh, with a couple other things going on. Uh, Alec and Assad are with us as well. And we are just honored to be joined tonight by uh, a member of the Cardiac Pack, the 1983 NC State National Championship team. Our guest this week is, of course, Ernie Myers. Ernie, thank you so much for taking time to join us. No, I, I, I appreciate the invite. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to doing this. Yeah, so I know, I know we, we have a lot of questions uh, and stories and, and anecdotes that we, we, we want to hear. Um, I know that we all kind of assembled some questions, um, so all, whoever wants to go first can, but uh, uh, we just, we're just really looking forward to hearing everything about that team and that run and, and what everything was like. I guess. To, okay, I'm to start, open, man. Yeah. All yeah, right. To, to start things off, I think, you know, we should prime it with uh, questions in general about the 1983 team and, and that whole run and your time with Jimmy V. Do you ever get tired of, you know, potentially being asked the same questions time and again or having to retell the same stories or, you know, um, does it ever get old? No, it, it never gets old, to be honest with you. I mean, it's uh, – and one thing Coach V always said that, uh, you know, it'll mean more to you when you get older than it does right now when we first won it, you know, because people – you know, I always run into people who, you know, uh, they'll ask me, you know, or tell me where they were when we won. It's one of those things people that you're sitting in the bar. Well, I was in – I was rooting for Houston, and uh, I was in a bar in – Chicago and I was watching the game and you know it's it, it never gets old and then you know uh, uh, the legacy of uh, Coach V and the V Foundation and you know and the cancer research uh, piece and you know what they're doing to bring awareness to uh, you know cancer and, and and that type of thing so it, it it really never gets old you know what I mean I'm getting old. <laughs> we're getting old <laughs> you know what I mean but it's, it's one of those uh, stories that uh, you know people always want to hear about or or, or, or or talk about it and you know every time the uh, you know they got Jimmy V week and you know um, you know and, and all that kind of stuff and, the, and that 30 for 30 we did that they show everywhere on planes on people are you know I go everywhere people are you know, they, they talk about it and, and they're still talking about it. And it's uh, one of those history things, you know what I mean? So it's not a, you know, I don't get tired of talking about it. I mean, it's got me, um, being on that team has got me jobs. It's got me, <laughs> it's all, it's affected my life in so many ways. So, I mean, it's all good. It's awesome. So let's start way back at the beginning though. What? Were you? What were you expecting your role to be on the team when you first got there as a freshman? And obviously, you you played a lot. You averaged double figures. What was that? Were you expecting to contribute that much coming in? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I was. You know, I was one of the top five players coming out of high school that year, and I knew that year they had a thirty-second clock in the ACC, and I knew the way I ran the court or whatever, and V 
that's why he recruited me. I mean, he wanted me to score and he wanted me, he needed a big guard, um, you know, to guard Michael Jordan or whatever, or, you know, the big guards in the ACC, Adrian Branch or at Maryland or, you know, and those type of guys. So I was athletic and young and, um, and I, and, and I had a, you know, I had a, a big ego uh, in regards to the way I played, you know what I mean? Cause I had played against, um, you know, coming out of high school, everybody, Jordan, yeah. Len Bias, every, everybody yeah. you can mention, I had played and played well against, you know? And so um, I was really, you know, coming down here. I, I, and V told me when I, he recruited me, he was like, uh, uh, I'll play you if you can play. You know what I mean? If you show me that you can play, I'm going to play you. So, you know, I don't care if you're a freshman, junior, senior, whatever. He told me, if you work hard, you'll play. So I, I, I was very confident that I would have some contribution to that. Um, I didn't think we'd win a national championship, no. But <laughs> I, I knew that I would play a whole lot. I knew that that was my, uh, you know, that was my mindset anyway. Yeah. Well, that leads me into a question that I had for you. What, what was the deciding factor in you choosing NC State? Um, it's kind of weird. Um, it it was really Coach V. Um, just his uh, he was a kind of gregarious type of guy. You know, he was from New York. He grew up in Queens, and a small uh, nugget. His his father Rocco Valvano coached my high school coach at my high school. So okay. my high school coach used to see Jimmy V running around in the gym when he was a little kid. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And uh, and also when I came to visit, uh, Eddie Biedenbach, who uh, oh yeah, you know yeah. was an assistant coach on the '74 uh, team, and then he you know he coached up in that Asheville or what have you. He was an assistant coach at Georgia at the time. So when I visited NC State, I ran into him at a football game, and I didn't know his basketball background. I was a kid from New York or whatever. I didn't know his background at NC State. So while he was recruiting me for Georgia, he was at an NC State football game. I was like, what is this guy doing here? You know, uh, and he'd be like, what is he doing here? I'm like, he's recruiting me for Georgia. So a fan had asked Eddie, he said, Eddie, Tell Ernie what's the best school in the world to play for. And Eddie Beanbox said, NC State. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow. oh, they're spending all this money to recruit me at Georgia. And, you know, we wound up running into him at the Final Four that year. But no, that's right. Yeah. Got, yeah. So that story, you know, I was like, okay, if this, if this, if this assistant coach at Georgia is telling me to come here, and this is, you know, I'm like, you know, as a kid, I'm coming from New York. I don't know the ACC. I don't know the history. I don't know anything. But uh, that was just kind of weird. And I was like, man, maybe this is the place for me. <laughs> Sign. Along with just, you know, Coach V and the staff and the players that I met. I didn't come during basketball season. I mean, I, I got it over really quick. So I was at a NC State football game at Carter Finley. And I was walking through a... Uh, a tailgate and um, I didn't need, I never saw them play, you know, until they got to the, uh, until they got to the NCAAs and they lost like in the first round. 
you know, I, I never even saw the court. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't visit the gym. Oh, well. That's <laughs> what you know. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, you know. But uh, you know, um, it was just really weird. What was uh, what was getting recruited by Valvano like? What, what was what was interactions in that process with him like? Well, um, I met him when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, he was recruiting a guy on my team by the name of Mike Moses, who 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 went to who was going to go to Iona until V changed his mind and and decided to go to NC State. So my sophomore year, he was at a basketball game watching him play, and I had a great game as a sophomore. And he said, "Yo, you know what?" He ran after me in the locker room and said, yo, man, in two years, I'll be back to get you. That's a great story. Wow. So I said, okay. Uh, at back then, I, you know, I just, you know, won a freshman championship because we had a freshman team. And I, my sophomore year was my first year playing varsity. And he had uh, – and I didn't even know if I could play college basketball at that time. I just – we were playing against our arch rivals, Rice High School, and – you know, um, they had a lot of great players come out of there or whatever. And um, and then he just ran after me in the locker room and said, man, in two years, I'll be back to get you. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. And um, and uh, in the recruiting process, he reminded me of that. And I remember after he did that, it made me kind of work harder. Because I was like, hey, if this college coach thinks I can put, you know, I might if I if I work harder, maybe I could. uh get a scholarship somewhere like my teammate, Mike Moses, like, you know, like the point guard, you know? So it was kind of impetus for me to, like I, I said to myself, man, maybe if I work harder, I can, I can be a great player. And he, you know, I, you know, maybe I won't go to Iona, but <laughs> cause I wanted to get out of New York city right. um, at that time. But I was like, you know, maybe I'll have a chance to, uh, you know, get a scholarship or something like that. And, and the first guy that I saw in the recruiting process was Jimmy V. He came, he said, remember two years ago, I told you I'll be back to get you. He said, I wasn't lying. He, you know, those, I knew before all those, you know, he was a funny guy. I knew before everybody, Ernie. I knew before everybody, you got to give me a shot. You got to give me a shot. So I said, okay. You know, Persistence um, pays off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, he saw, you know, he, I, when I would, you know, work out or whatever, I would think about, yeah, this coach said he, you know, he thought I was good enough to play college basketball. He might come back and get, so I would work hard. You know what I mean? I would, you know, run up and down the stairs with a weight vest on, you know, I lived, it was nine flights. I, I, you know, I, I would, I was sick with getting in shape and trying to be great. And, you know, my senior year, I was a McDonald's all American. I was a top five players in the country. Mm -hmm. So I had a whole bunch of schools coming at me from, I had letters, boxes, you know, suitcases full of letters that were coming to my house. Do you still have all those letters? My mom does. Well, yeah, yeah, some of them. And sometimes you look at them and, you know, you, you know, from dead coaches now, Dean Smith, you know, a lot of, yeah, you know, a lot of, you know, all those guys have passed away now. A lot of those guys, um, you know, that was 40, 40 years ago, 41 years ago. But, um, but all the different schools and all the the magazines and all the envelopes used to come to this. It was so many, it was just unbelievable. 
As a member of the team, what was it like playing for Jimmy V? I mean, he treated you like a man. So we didn't have curfews. We didn't have, you know, uh, it was fun playing for him when you were winning. Just like any other coach, you know, some coaches are not happy even when they're winning. You know what <laughs> I mean? But he was happy when he was winning. So, you know, if he was if you were winning, he was a great guy to be around, fun, you know, guy, yeah, you know, guy you can hang out with. You know, you sometimes you might have forgot he was a coach. You know what I mean? He was just so funny and right, loose. Yeah. You know, but once you started losing, <laughs> you know, they it was a different ball game, you know what I mean? They you know. You know, that was his livelihood. You know, it was wins and losses for him, you know, as far as his livelihood. So he took that very seriously. You know, he, he didn't, you know, when he lost, you you felt it. You know, you saw it on his face. It was, you know, you just, and if you liked the guy, you you know, you you, you wanted to run through a brick wall for him and, you know, and, and work hard and win and, you know, and you know, for your own personal, you know, I hated losing, you know, he, he you know, most of the guys on the team hated losing. You know, they come from winning high school programs. They knew how to win. They knew what it takes to win. They knew how to work hard. So, you know, that was, that was uh, you know, that, that's how it worked, you know. What's your favorite quote Jimmy V ever said? Um, my favorite, his favorite, my favorite quote, I mean, he said something, you know, to me that always stuck. And he always said that, um, you know, you can work hard and you, you know, you can really work hard. And you might, you might make it. And then again, you, you could work hard and you, you can still, you still might not make it, but I guarantee you, if you don't work hard, <laughs> you'll never make it. And that always <laughs> stuck with me. Like that. <laughs> you know, so that was, that was something that didn't go in one ear and out the other. That's a good one. I'm going to tell that to my kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there's no guarantees. You know, there's, you know, even if you work hard, you still might not make it. But I can, you know, that stuck with me. If, you know, I, but if you don't work hard, I guarantee you, job is not, is not going to come knocking at your door. <laughs> right, right. So when Wet got hurt, you stepped in and, and played a lot of minutes, and you scored a bunch of points. I remember one game, and I don't even remember who you were playing, but it seemed like you scored every point. It was You scored 30-some points in that game, and I can't remember who it was, but you played a lot of minutes. And I, I, I told Alec the other day, I said, without you, I really don't think that NC State would have won the national championship in 1983. Not because of what happened in the tournament, because of what happened as far as you stepping in and keeping them going as far as, like, keeping their confidence up and winning winning some conference games, even with wet out. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of people say that. And I appreciate that. It was, and a lot, what a lot of people don't remember is that at one time I was starting with Wittenberg at the small four, you know, so I was already playing. So, you know, I, I didn't just jump off the bench and, you know, magically started, you know, I was already in a row. I was already That's averaging true. like, 15 points a game when he was in, when he was still there. That's so true. coach V kind of was like, when he got hurt, he was like, well, Ernie, I'm going to move you to the two spot. <laughs> you know, it was like the start of the ACC. My first uh, ACC game was against, was against Clemson. I had 25 points coming off the bench. So it was you oh. know, at Clemson, you know, it was, that was the first ACC win. So it was like, 
you know, even when he was there, it wasn't like I wasn't playing. So it was, you know, it, it's a nice story. Like, you know, like, oh, okay, this guy just jumped off the bench and started scoring a lot of points. I was already in the in the rotation already. So it wasn't, um, and it just was like, okay, we're going to move you over to the two spot. And I just need you to do more of what you were doing already. That's what Coach V told me. He's like, Ernie, I'm, just keep doing what you were doing, and I got confidence in you, and just just play. So when he did that, I was like, my mind went back to high school days. Like, okay, <laughs> even with Thurl Bailey and you know, uh, you know Sidney Lowe or whatever. Sidney was a great point guard. He got me the ball wherever where you could do nothing but score. Really, layups, going to the basket, and that game you were talking about was. The Duke game, I played against Duke and I had at and 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 Reynolds and I had 35 points. That's at what that it time, was. it was a record. No, no other, no freshman in the history of the conference had scored 35 points in an ACC game, and that mm-hmm. record stood until Tyler Hansborough broke it. Tyler Hansborough against yeah. Clemson, he had 40 points against Clemson, but he was like 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, I was an 18 year old kid, you know. He, Tyler Hansbro was like a 20 year old freshman, you know what I mean? So you, so, you were uh, a true freshman. You were yeah, a, true, I was a freshman. true freshman, you know what yes. I mean? I just, yeah, I didn't go to some, uh, you know, academy or anything. I was straight out of high school in the Bronx, you know. So that's that's the asterisk on that. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through because Reynolds, we know how how prestigious it is. As as it's one of probably the most well known college basketball venues in America. Even though they play one game a year there on the men's side now, but walk us through what it was like the first time you you set foot in there and it was a packed house. And because obviously some of us weren't around when when Reynolds was was at its, right. was at its peak. But uh, I have been told that it's it was it was pretty loud in there. Yeah. Um, what was really um, telling to me back then was the way people camped outside. You know, I mean, the days before the game. So I'll be going to class because I did go to class, um, <laughs> and I'd see all these people camped out waiting. To get tickets to the game now, I'm a kid from New York. I didn't, you know, people didn't do that. You know, uh, you know, I was going to Nick games and Yankee games and, you know, and stuff like that. And I didn't have to wait and, and camp out for tickets or anything like that. So when I saw people camping out um, and walking, walking to class, I was like, man, I got to, these people really want to see us play. <laughs> you know, I didn't know the history of Reynolds. You know, I was just straight from New York City. I didn't really know the history of the ACC. What I really, all I really knew about the ACC was David Thompson played at NC State because I was a big NBA guy. And and when I found out what school he went to, I was like, man, he went to North Carolina State. He won a national championship too, you know, as a, you know, just Skywalker was, you know, and I just knew where he went. So I didn't really, you know, know the history of Reynolds, but, but walking outside, seeing people camping out and, you know, the first game or the ACC started and the fans were ridiculous. It was crazy. It was, you know, they used to <laughs> they used to pick a guy out that 
on the other team, and when he passed the ball, they would yell until he passed the ball and got quiet. <laughs> I mean, Duke didn't have anything on N- Duke. The Duke Cameron crazies wasn't NC State was way crazier than Duke back then. I mean, Duke they copied over of NC State. I mean, our fans were crazy. I mean, they would walk up to you and you know, and and they encouraged me that they would you know going in when I was playing. They were like Ernie, well, how many? How much you gonna score today? We need you know. It was just a whole like a circus, but it was like. You know, I never, I never experienced anything like it. And then you just couldn't hear when it got loud. And, you know, it was like slow motion. It was, you know, the fans were, you look up there, you see the governor <laughs> of the state watching the game, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it was just unbelievable, uh, you know, environment for uh, uh, college basketball. And then they had that, that meter that I found out that it was a guy working a switch behind. <laughs> the <lights>. My dad <laughs> told me about As that. As a player, I really thought that it was a you know a noise meter. You know what I mean? And the, it, you know, I didn't know it was a guy with you know just flicking a switch and the light goes on. You know that uh, <laughs> I really thought it was the the roar of the crowd. You know what I mean? As a friend, you know, I I didn't know it till I left. Really, to be honest. Yeah. With you. But um, it was just an unbelievable environment to play basketball people loved you i mean you didn't even have to play to be fame you know to for everybody to know you i mean it was like right. there were no pro sports even guys that didn't play were everybody knew who they were you know what i mean so it was just a uh, um you know the fans were unbelievable i mean they used to cheer my name ernie ernie you know they 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 had uh, you know it was just unbelievable i i, I love the wolfpack fans um you know, I know it's different now, you know, it's, as far as people say our fan base is this or that or whatever, but from what I, you know, when I was playing at Reynolds Coliseum and, you know, in front of that, I felt nothing but love, <laughs> you know, and when we played against the big teams, they were there and they were like the greatest six man that you could have. So when, when the arena, just in your personal opinion, when, when state eventually switched to playing at PNC, which I think was with RBC Center back when it first moved. The ESA first. The ESA, yeah. Before before it was branded. Do you mm-hmm. think the program lost lost something, or do you not really buy into that like as a cultural thing? I really think it lost something. It's the reason why Shashevsky he they could have built a bigger and better facility over there at Duke. Why do you think he didn't do that? Yeah, because because that gym is you know, the, you know they could they could build a a twenty thousand seat arena and fill it, but they still got Cameron over there, right? I mean, I think that was a I thought that was the wrong move to make. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that that was my because it's when you don't practice where you play, it's tough. You know, sometimes we practice over in Carmichael, but the majority of practices we had were, were in Reynolds Coliseum. So, you know, we knew the court. We knew, you know, it's, it's well, as a player, instinctual, even shots that you might not, <laughs> you know, they, they probably wouldn't go in in another gym, would probably go in and, and, and rental because you played there so much, you practiced there so much, you knew the rims, you knew the, mm-hmm. you know, the depths of the shot, the corners, you know, you just got, you were comfortable in your own gym, you know, but, um, you know, I don't know. They don't practice every day at the PNC, and I, they don't. You know, 
I think that was, you know, not a great move for um, the Wolfpack moving to the PNC or the RBC, whatever they called it back then, you know, yeah. arena or whatever. It's a hockey arena and, you know, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. For me, I'm old school. That's why I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that, I agree though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not trying. Yeah, to... I almost wonder. I feel like I've had this conversation with somebody before that, you know, we should play both of the state UNC games in the old venues. Play the the game in Raleigh at Reynolds and the game in Chapel Hill at Carmichael, and just keep that old school feel. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, see, I played over at Carmichael and. <laughs> the locker room, Dean turned the heat up. You know, you come out there sweating, and you know you couldn't breathe down there, and you know, and then Dean switched their uniforms at halftime, so they, you know, Mike and whoever was playing, they, you know, they, they switched uniforms at halftime so they could be fresh again. You know what I mean? They, so they didn't come out all sweaty like we do. You know, and we were in a, you know, a, a steam. You know, Dean turned the heat on. It was hot in those locker rooms, man. You came out there, you were already breathing hard and no, I would never want to go back and play in Carmichael. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a good so story. Going to, um, to the actual run. So every coach obviously loves the moniker, right? One game at a time, right? We take everything one game at a time. So, you know, obviously that was a lot of one game at a time. Was there a point from the beginning of the ACC tournament all the way through the final four? Was there a point that came where you stopped and you thought about the bigger picture and were like, okay, this, this, we might actually do this. This might actually happen. I mean, you know, that's the mark of a great coach. You know what I mean? It, it was one game at a time. It was six one-game seasons. The way he, you know, coined it to us, it was like we didn't look to the next game. I mean, it was just – all the games were so exciting. You couldn't, you, you couldn't think to the next game. I mean, aside from us playing Utah, which was, we blew them out or whatever in that um, tournament, all the other games were tight and overtimes and, you know, nail biters. And <laughs> I mean, you just couldn't think to the next game. You know, you didn't say, okay, if we beat these guys, then we played – no, it wasn't like that. It was like, okay, even from the ACC tournament, we played Wake Forest, then we played Carolina. We weren't thinking about Virginia. We were like, okay, we playing Carolina. <laughs> Whatever happens after that, whoever we run into, we didn't know. We, we weren't thinking about the, or what if we win the, you know, the ACC tournament. We didn't think like that. I mean, it's weird, but I don't remember guys thinking like – I don't remember sitting around talking to guys like, man, <laughs> you know, we play against Ralph Sampson and tomorrow we might, you know, what, what, a, wouldn't that be great if we won the ACC tournament? <laughs> no, you know, it was just like, okay, we got the next game. We got to figure out how to coach, listen to the coaches, listen to the scout or whatever, and what he wanted us to do to, to try to win the game or whatever. And it happened. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just the way, it, that's just the way it worked back then. You know, because if you start thinking like, you know, I was just on some, they got this little Wolfpack ladies lair because I, you know, I broadcast the women's games and 
they already talking about the Virginia Tech game. I'm like, yeah, we got Florida State on Thursday at home. They're pretty good. Yeah. You yeah. can't you can't you can't start thinking about a Liz Kitley <laughs> River Baldwin matchup. <laughs> Florida State beat us by like twenty last year at their place. Yeah. And they still got a lot of the same players. So, you know, you can't that that whole mindset, you can't start thinking about the next game. I mean, that's how you lose. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> you know, and, and as far as like you said, the possibilities of winning, you know, the that you didn't you just didn't think about it. Even in the final four, we were like, we're there, we're happy to be there. You know, we played Georgia and then we sat around and watched who was going to, you know, that game didn't even, we didn't know who was going to be, was it going to be Louisville or was it going to be Houston? You know, but we sat there and we watched the first half and left and said, Hey man, you know, one thing we weren't scared of anybody, you know, because we played against the best teams. Yeah. (laughs) So once we got that far, we knew anything could happen. V was like, yo, we here. We might as well win this thing while we're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Might as well. You know, that's, that's basically how he told us. Like, hey, now we're in the championship game. You know, people are calling us the team of destiny. We might as well win this thing. You know what I mean? And um, and then it happened. Yeah. You know, we, we played well. We, you know, Houston, we slowed them down, you know, and then. It was a 50, you know, 50, 52 tie, and boom, you know, Lorenzo comes out of nowhere off an air ball from Wittenberg, and wow, it was a great offensive rebound, and he dunked it. <laughs> you know, on five slammer jamma, it was just, everything was like magical, man, because it was like we had the first dunk of the game and the last dunk of the game. That was fitting, oh. yeah. So what was the, what, what were the emotions like after when you saw Lorenzo dunk that ball and you realized that you'd won the national championship? What were the emotions like for you personally, and for some for of the other personally, guys? I was on the bench and I was stand. I was we were all standing up and it was like when he rose and just dunked the ball. I looked at the clock. It said three, two, one, zero, and pandemonium. You just lost your mind. You know what I mean? Because it was like coming out of high school, everybody would say, why are you going to NC State, man? You can go anywhere you why, – why are you going there? You know, all the other players, you know, uh, All-Americans or whatever, like, why, why are you going to NC State? You know, you're not going to – you know, they already got Wittenberg there. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking about him. I'm, I'm, I'm going down there to play. I mean, I'm going down there to – you know, they got a 30-second clock in the ACC. There's a 24-second clock in the NBA. That's the closest thing to the NBA that I know. You know, I mean, so they can't hold the ball anymore. Dean Smith can't go into the four corners when it's five minutes left and, you know, and run around and, you know, the game was 25 to 30 or whatever. You had to really play. The coaches couldn't really control the game like that back, you know, when the 30-second clock, the way we played. So that was up and down, up and down basketball. And then when we when I came back home, you know, after winning the national championship, I was like, that's, you see why I went to NC State? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, out of all the All-Americans that came out of high school that year, I, I was the only one that got a ring. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in, that, uh, in that, uh, that scene that we all see, the famous, the famous moment with Coach V running around trying to find somebody to hug, 
Where uh-huh. are you at in all of that? And and just, you know, now that we, you talked about the emotions of seeing it go in, how long did it take for it to, to sink in that you were a national champion? Man, it took a long time for it to really sink in, to be honest with you. It really took a long time. I mean, I mean, even though when you were standing on the podium and, you know, I, I was hugging other players. We were all on the floor grabbing each other and just, you know, loving on each other and, like, couldn't believe it and stunned and shocked. You saw Thurl was on his knees and, you know, V was running around, like you said, looking for Wit or Wit looking for V or whatever. And, um, you know, we were we were all just hugged up, man, as a team. Um, all the guys just just unbelievable, man. It was just, you know, you just – it's something you, you know – I was, we have a team chat and a guy said, there's only 1,400 from 40 years ago. There's only 1,400 people that have national championship rings from, you know, in the world, yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, every year, a team of 12 to 15 guys go on this journey and they, you know, uh, they, they try to make history or whatever. And, Whenever I go to the NCAA tournament, they have this ring and they have all the national championships. And you look up there and you see NC State 1983. You know, it's just it's just a proud feeling, you know, that, hey, man, that's something that'll never, you know, they can't take it away from you. You know, so that's that's the way I, I look at it. But at the time, I was like, wow. When I watched Michael Jordan hit the last shot or whatever, not the last, it wasn't the last shot because they turned the ball over. But when I watched him win the national championship, I said to myself, I'm going to NC State. I want to do the same thing. Because I, at that time, believe it or not, in my, in my mind at that time, I thought I was just as good as he was. You know, we played against each other in, in all-star games and he was a year ahead of me, but... I held my own and played, you know, we knew each other, you know what I mean? So I, I didn't go to North Carolina. They recruited me. I wanted to play against that guy. And I wanted to do the same. That's I could do the same thing he did. <laughs> you know, and like you said, I was a freshman. I averaged double figures. If you look at what, how much I averaged and what Michael Jordan averaged when he, it's almost the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, even though I didn't, and I, you know, and I didn't play, I didn't play as much in the tournament as he did. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I had a lot of great games during the season. I, you know, I had a lot of 20 point games. I was leading the team and scoring at one time at 17, 18 points a game, but I didn't, you know, during the tournament, I didn't score a whole lot of points and I still ended the season averaging double figures. When you look at the final stats for the year, <laughs> you know, he averaged like 11 points a game and I, and I did too. You know, but you know, he, he, you know, he was at Carolina, and he was, you know, Michael Jordan. He, he you couldn't tell me at that time, because I knew him before North Carolina, that he would be the goat. Like people are thinking he's the goat, because I, I watched him and Len Bias. Len Bias could not. He he wasn't a great player in high school. He didn't really start playing at Maryland until the sophomore year. Mm-hmm. You know, because they had Adrian Branch and they had other guys. He he was ready to transfer. 
because I knew him. He would tell me. I'm like, man, he, I'm not. He was ready to transfer from Maryland. Wow. wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. And V had recruited him too. You know, he he wanted to come to NC. He wanted to come, but he wanted to come to NC State. But back then, you couldn't you couldn't twitch teams like you, you see guys doing now. Yeah. The, the coaches had a law that if you if you transferred, you had to transfer outside out of the conference. You couldn't transfer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a football player on NC State that just transferred to North Carolina. That would have yeah. never happened. No, not back then. Uh-uh. Yeah. Not basketball. I mean, on football either. I mean, you know, that just happened. I'm like, <laughs> that that there was an unwritten rule back then. Like, if you transferred, you weren't you you transferred outside of the ACC. Yeah. You know, coaches wouldn't recruit you. You didn't. You know, it didn't happen. So the um. The sequence leading up to the the Wittenberg airball and the Lorenzo dunk was there a play in place? Was there was there something that that you were trying to set up at that point, a set play of some sort, or what was kind of the? No, the we were just trying to get the best shot that we can get, you know. And that wasn't the best shot we could have got. But you know, <laughs> their defense, their defense, the way they overplayed and. You saw Clyde Drexler almost stole the ball from Wittenberg. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but as he said in the 30 for 30, thank God for Morgan Wooten. (laughs) They told him how (laughs) to catch the ball with two hands. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, (laughs) yeah, that's Hollywood or whatever, what anything. But uh, yeah, you know, and, you know, he tells everybody it's a pass. It was a pass, but, you know, I don't know how people believe that. And how he tells people that was a pass is unbelievable. But um, but anyway, uh, you know, Lorenzo just was in the right place at the right time, and he did the right thing. And, you know, he only had four points in that game. And, yeah, that was it right there. You know, the last, you know, he, that dunk just – I haven't seen a game one on a dunk I've seen last second buzzer shots, but uh, I have yet to see a game win end like the way we did in 40 years Yeah, in the tournament. You mentioned. <laughs> so it wasn't a set that... play. We were just trying to get the best shot, you know, and Terry was wide open in the side. If you heard those 30 for 30 and Wittenberg mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't going to pass it. He had the best <laughs> shot, yeah. you know, and Terry probably would have <laughs> knocked it down, you know, but, uh, he, you know, Whit was a senior, and he just took a, you know, took a, took a wild shot, man. And Lorenzo turned in uh, offensive rebound and dunked it, man. It was just, it was no set, you know, wasn't that? We were just looking for the best shot we could get. It was good. Yeah, presence you of mentioned minds. a little bit. Go ahead, Assad. Sorry, I'm just saying that's good presence of mind on his part to understand how much time was left on the clock to not come down with the rebound and and then try to go up and, back up with yeah, the shot. Yeah, try to go back up. See, that's why I say when. When people say it was a pass, it takes away from what Lorenzo actually did. You know what I mean? When people ask him, is it a pass? It takes away from what he really did. That offensive rebound, he went up and did not come down. He dunked it at the same mm-hmm. when he went up. He he knew the he knew how much time was on the clock and he just but he was stunned. You saw how when he dunked the ball, he turned around and looked and God bless his soul. <laughs> he did. Yeah, and he was just kind of like, wow, like he didn't really realize what he did either. So we were like, Lorenzo, do you know what you did, man? You just, you know, and we just 
that's where I was. When you asked me what was I doing, I was hugging Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> me and five other guys were, ru- were rolling and hugging Lorenzo Charles. And who who were the ones him. that? Who were the ones that climbed up onto the onto the rim? That was me. That was you. Jose <laughs> McQueen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got this. I got this picture right here of me and Cozell McQueen on top of the backboard. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Wow. That's Wasn't amazing. that on the cover of Sports Illustrated too? I believe. I think it was. No, it was in some <laughs> magazines or whatever, but uh they did a commercial on it. You know, it was a Dr. Pepper commercial of me and Cozell climbing on top of the backboard. They did it last year in uh or the year before last in the NCAA tournament. They had a commercial with Cozell and I. Um, and then we opened up, uh, you know, they did the Hollywood magic and they had us with, with uh, Dr. Peppers in our hands or whatever. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, man, it was just a unbelievable time. And I've, I've always thought that if that dunk happened now, they would do a, a 10 minute time review and figure out how much time was left on the clock to put oh point, oh yeah oh, it would take left. It, would, it would take the air out it would take it would take the whole emotion out of it you know they would have to review it yeah the referees <laughs> would it it would be a delayed it, it it all this stuff even as a broadcast i hate when they do that i hate when they go to the you know or call fouls or go back in time and say hey that was a flagrant or you know let's go to and then they you know they they whatever team has momentum they take the momentum from that team because mm-hmm. the refs are trying to figure it out they're standing there and then you get the delayed you know if the call goes your way you know now you can celebrate it, it just <laughs> takes it takes everything it takes the emotion and the spontaneousness of uh right you know the victory out of it <laughs> So you mentioned that, um, you know, you guys have a, a still have a team chat that you guys communicate in. And I imagine when, when a team goes on a run like that, it kind of galvanizes you and, and gets everybody a little bit closer together. How much did winning the national championship bring you guys together more than it, than it had already? I mean, because it's the way we won it. You know, the way that we won the national championship. Some people say it was one of those, um, those events because they never seen anything like it, you know, before. I mean, we were the team of destiny. We, we were the first team to win the national championship with 10 losses. <laughs> you know I mean? We, we, yeah. we had 10 losses that season. <laughs> and, and the way we won and how we won and, uh, you know, and nobody thought we could do it. It wasn't like we were poor. You know, it wasn't like these small teams you see, you know, everybody looks for the upset now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I tell people this all the time. Before NC State won the national championship, it was the final four. It wasn't March Madness. You know, right? people, now, now you look for the upset. Yeah. Now you want to see a big team get knocked off. You know, after we did it, then Villanova beat Georgetown. You know, now you know, and then what's that other team? Uh, uh, the coach but, of Miami coached and took them all Mason. the way to the final George four. George Mason. Uh, George Mason. You know, mm-hmm. was knocking everybody off. You know, that year. That's what people come to see now. Virginia got knocked off by a 16th. You know, yeah. anything can happen now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
back look back at, then, look at the national the teams that were good, yeah, the teams that were good made it to the final four. <laughs> Before us, I mean, all of, you you see the top four teams in, in, in Indiana, North Carolina. You know, you never saw a team come up from. I mean, we weren't from a poor dunk conference. We were an ACC team. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't some. You know, we weren't. You know. They, they they didn't have power five or whatever they have now, but you know we were from a power, you know a, a big conference, you know. Um, but nobody expected us to win that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the way we won, it made people think, hey, we got a shot, you know. So now it's March Madness, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, you know. Tim Peeler wrote a book when March went mad. That was mm-hmm. that. That's when. That's when it went mad after we won it. <laughs> so if you had to go back to the 80s and play one more game, who would you rather see on the other side of the court? Ralph Sampson or Hakeem Olajuwon? <laughs> Ooh, wow. Wow. See, a little known fact. I mean, a little bit people don't, don't. We played them the next year in the Hall of Fame game, after the national championship, we played against Hakeem Olajuwon again. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, Michael Young, and they had a couple of other players that weren't, you know, the Drexler, Drexler wasn't there, but we beat them again. The first <laughs> game of the season. <laughs> wow. So, I so a lot of people, oh yeah. So the next year, we played them up in the Hall of Fame game, and we beat them again with Olajuwon. So <laughs> I... Looking across, I wouldn't want to see Ralph Sampson again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Akeem was just coming, you know, he was, you know, he was a monster, but he was, Ralph was a seasoned monster. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. He was, he was a seasoned vet. He, you know, he was three-time player of the year. You know what right. I mean? He, he was a different animal. You know what I mean? Uh, first mm-hmm. time I saw Ralph was in Virginia and, uh, no, no, it was in North Carolina, but, um, when we went to Virginia to play them, he leaned up against the backboard. Like he can put his arm on the backboard and just hold himself up. <laughs> and I've never seen anybody do that before wow. in my life. That was intimidating to me. Like, yeah. like if you, if you drive into the basket yeah. and you look down and you see a guy just kind of leaning on the backboard like this, <laughs> his arm, <laughs> that's intimidating to me. It like, would be. Yeah. You know, I've never seen any uh, coming from, I've never seen anybody do that before, you wow. know, so it's crazy. Yeah. How good? Uh, it, it would be Ralph Sampson. How good of a job did Kozel McQueen do playing defense against Akeem that, in that game? He did an awesome job. I mean, he played Ralph Sampson well, too. He did. As a matter of fact, he played against some of the best centers in the country that year, and he kind of held his own. I mean, at our place, Ralph just killed him. I mean, when Wittenberg got hurt, Ralph had like 38 and 18 or whatever, but. After that, I mean, you know, Kozell McQueen held his own against some of the best centers in the leagues. I mean, in the league, in the league, and in the country that year. I mean, coming from Bennettsville, South Carolina, I mean, he he didn't score a whole lot of points, but he rebound, he ran the court, and he played he played great defense for us. And had he not <coughs> against uh, Pepperdine. Had he not grabbed the rebound and put the ball back up, we don't go into overtime. We don't win nothing. 
You know what I mean? We were down, you know, to force another overtime. He grabbed an offensive rebound and put it back up. Wittenberg missed a free throw. And that it was Kozel McQueen's time, to, you know, and early in the tournament. We thought we were, you know, double over. We thought we were going home at, at, at that game. It, it went mm-hmm. double overtime. You know, so Lorenzo uh, Kozel McQueen saved us first, and then another sophomore, Lorenzo Charles, at the end had the last second dunk. To win the game, you know, to win the national championship. But Kozel McQueen, he did his thing, and and you know, and 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 those last ten games, he was he was one of the best centers in the country. He was kind of an unsung hero, but he did play really well that year. I mean, he really did. Oh yeah, he was a starter on a national championship team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we beat Ralph in the uh, ACC tournament, and to go to the Final Four, right. And Danny beat Elijah Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, most guys after games like that, they, they get drafted and going, who did you play against? <laughs> and right. win. And, that's true. You know, that, that's, that, yeah. that's how you get competitive. They see who you play against and how you played against them. You know, he, he should have, if he'd have left after that, he should have been a first round draft pick. Because <laughs> he wound up beating some of the best centers in the country. Right. I mean, you know, along with Thurl Bailey, I mean, Thurl wasn't the center. He was like a, you know, he was a power forward, small forward, really, because Lorenzo Charles was a power forward. True. Thurl Bailey was like a three, a small forward. Was there was there anything unique that Jimmy V was doing in terms of strategy or offense that threw other teams off that got you guys on that run or throughout that whole season? Was it, was there any specific flavors or was it just the right combination of guys that you had? It's just the right combination of guys. And you know, what he tried not to do was the guy that was supposed to beat you. He wouldn't let the guy that's supposed to beat you, beat you. You know, he would do a boxing one or a triangle and two, uh, you double team a guy you know, he let the guy, he, he said, we ain't going to let the guy that's supposed to be us. Somebody else is going to have to step up. That's not used to winning games. And if we lose because of that guy, then I'll, he, I'm good. But we're not going to let the guy that's supposed to beat us beat us. You know what I mean? So we, we would double team Jordan or we would play a boxing one on Kenny Walker or uh, throughout my years there, I would chase guys. We called it a one-three and a chaser or whatever, you know. So we somebody else would have to beat us. We, you know, we front the guy like we did. You know, somebody else gonna have to hit that big shot, or somebody else gonna have to have thirty. That ain't used to getting thirty, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And if he got thirty, then okay, we, we lost. Okay, we, they got him. But that all-American guy, he wasn't going. He 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 was gonna have a rough night. <laughs> you know, that, that was his philosophy on defense. You know I mean? Anything to do to stop the guy that's averaging 20, the guy that's supposed to beat us, we, we got to stop him first, you know, and that's, that, that was his mentality. That's the way he coached and defended or whatever, or we, we scouted teams and that was his thing. He was like, no, nah, we ain't going to let that guy. <laughs> no, no, that, that guy that's supposed to get 40 or 30, he's not doing, we're not going to let him get that. <laughs> so we're gonna stop him from doing that somehow, some way. So we'll file out, we'll whatever, but some other guy is gonna have to step up and win. 
And Carolina. on offense, it was just on the offensive end, it was, you know, V used to foul. The game was tied in that. Some of those games were, and he'll put a guy on the line. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, in a tied game, you know, like he was playing the numbers. Like, I bet this, like he was in a casino, like, <laughs> hey, man, uh, you know, this guy ain't never been on the line with five seconds left. <laughs> hey, he ain't going to make these free throws. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to put him on the line. You know, even some of the best free throw shooters that year clunked them. You know yeah. what I mean? The pressure was just too much. He he just, you know, who who does that? Like, you you know, like they said in the 30 for 30. Who does yeah. that? Who puts a – who fouls, you know, when the game is tied? So that, <laughs> yeah, that really wasn't a common practice. And he, he was the one that popularized that, that practice, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he he put guys on the line. Are you gonna beat me? Yeah, I'm gonna put a freshman on the line, like Alvin Frank or whoever. <laughs> you know, when we played Pepperdine, the guy, you know, he he was like a ninety percent free throw shooter. We put him on the line. Clunk, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it was crazy. You know, against uh, yeah, against against against, and that's when Kozel gets. And Kozel had no points, like he said. He had zero points until he grabbed that rebound and put the basketball back in, and we go into overtime and we win. You know, I so I think it's kind of uh, kind of neat that there are multiple members of the '83 team, and I, I should preface this, Ernie, with the fact that I am a professional sports broadcaster, so that's why I'm asking this question. But okay. uh, I think it's. I think it's kind of interesting that there are multiple members of the 83 team that have gone into broadcasting. I know Jimmy, Jimmy V did it for a little bit um, right after he got out of coaching. And then I think Derek, Derek Wittenberg did it for a little while. Obviously you're doing it right now. And and then Terry Gannon uh, has been doing a lot of stuff and doing, doing Olympic stuff. Do you guys ever talk about that still you and Terry maybe? And, And have you ever had the chance to work with him? And what was that like as a broadcaster? Hey man, you just, Terry just became the, uh, you know, the Big Ten, you know, he's doing basketball back again. Okay. You know, but like you said, he's he has a red. Thurl Bailey is a broadcaster for the uh, Utah Jazz. Okay, yeah. He's a color guy, him him as well. So, um, yeah, we talk about that. And I, and I, and I told Terry, I said, man, I, I want to do a game with you, man. You know, he said, we're going to work that out. You know, we're going to we're gonna make that happen. With the, but he's great. with the Big Ten Network now. And he's... Oh, yeah. uh, He's I know he did like games. Olympic stuff too, right? He used to do a lot of the Olympic stuff. No, yeah, he he still you know does ice skating and gymnastics and you know he's like the you know and he's on the Golf Channel and you know he does you know he's do football he, you know he's a jack of all trades he, you know he does all he used to do all this stuff but now he's back in the doing basketball again. And, so what was um, it for you? Uh, that, that that interested you about getting into that. And, and obviously you're giving back to your alma mater by calling the women's games and some of the men's games. Uh, what was it specifically about that role that stood out to you? Well, I used to listen to a lot of other guys on TV and and I saw the game differently. And I used to be in my house and I tell my wife who was, you know, who, who works with broadcasters, you know, and, you know, all her game notes and all that, all that stuff you hear in football and all that kind of stuff that you hear is from her notes. You know, <laughs> she puts all the stats together and, you know, all those records and when guys talk like they know everything, 
is from the notes that she provided them. So I used to watch basketball games and, and on TV, and I was like, this guy don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I can do that. Anyone in particular? <laughs> I, no, I, 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 it just was any guy that I was listening to. Sometimes I was like, man, he, he he's calling that wrong. He, that, that That's not how it's supposed to be, or that's not what that guy was thinking, or that play didn't run right. He didn't describe that correctly. Or, you know, I can do that. You know, I, I, I always felt like I could, you know, like I can do a game or whatever, and I had never done it before. And then the opportunity came. Uh, Chris Corciani couldn't make, he was doing like the men's broadcast. You know, Chris Corciani would do those ACC X games or whatever. And as we were doing these uh, broadcasts, uh, I mean, these uh, podcasts with uh, James Curl, he recommended me. He was like, well, Ernie can do it. You know, I'm not, I can't do the game without Ernie do it. But it was the last minute. You know, it was the night before. The game. So I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, I got to get these notes. I don't have any, I got to research the team. I got to, you know, I got to, you know, now I'm nervous because I've been telling everybody I could do this. (laughs) Now I got to try to do it. And now I'm not really prepared, you know, but God threw me to the wolves. And, you know, as I went on, my wife would be there and you know, she was sending me text messages, talk, keep talking, you know, whatever, whatever. I didn't know, you know, and uh, it was harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. But I got my point across and it took me a while to really, you know, get good at it or whatever. You know, some fans, I used to see guys like Ernie, he, can't, he don't know what he's talking about. And, you know, you get on these <laughs> websites or whatever. They're like, yeah, Ernie sucked, he, you know. But he's an 83 guy, so we got to show him some love. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but now, you know, doing the uh, radio and with the women and, you know, I, you know, I just put my little flavor to it. And I try to, you know, I'm a homer, but I try not to be too much of a homer, right. you know, on the radio. People want to hear, you know, if you ever listen to me on women's radio, I'm kind of, I get excited. Uh, you know, I, you know, I add some flavor to it and. You know, I'm, 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 I'm go pack. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, to a point where, you know, the fans, I'm giving the fans what they want. You know, they, they want, you know, you can't be neutral on radio. You can't, you mm-hmm. know, I'm on uh, the Wolfpack Sports Network, right? right. So, right. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta uh, give the Wolfpack fans what they want. You know what I mean? I'm an 83 mm-hmm. guy. You know, I played, I'm in the Reynolds Coliseum. I'm gonna, I'm going off. I'm, I'm going, I'm going all out. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I got to research. I know what I'm talking about. So, but um, you know, I, you know, the the women's team, they they love, you know, what I'm doing, and you know, I, I and they they trust me. You know, the coaches, and uh, you know, I'm I'm part of their team now. You know what I mean? I travel with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, yeah. you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. You know, what I mean, they know that I got their back. You know, and I'm gonna. You know, everybody's doing well. You know, we're thirteen and zero. We're the third ranked team yeah. in the country. Yeah, we were going to ask about that. We were going to ask yeah. about the the women's team a little bit because uh, I know started the year unranked, kind of felt the disrespect there a little bit, and then they they beat UConn and and what a meteoric rise! This team looks really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went from um, you know pick eighth in the ACC to 
the third ranked team in the country and we, you know, beat Colorado and we beat UConn and I mean, we beaten everybody that we played so far. And, uh, you know, we got Florida state coming in, but it's a testament to coach Moore. You know what I mean? Coach Moore, I could, I could have played for coach Moore. I tell coach Moore this all the time. Cause he's a, he kind of reminds me of coach V in a way. Cause he's a funny guy. If you ever listen to Coach Moore, I mean, if you ever listen to, he has, you know, he's a funny guy. I mean, when you're around him, he likes to crack jokes. He's, you know, he, you know, he wants to win. He, he's serious about winning, but he's he's fun to be around. You know, he's a fun guy to be around, and that's how V was. He was fun to be around, but you know, when it came down to the coaching thing, he knew what he was doing, and you know, the players liked him, you know, loved him or whatever, and 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 the coach Coach Moore reminds me in a way of Coach V in a way. You know, he knows the X's and O's. He knows, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He's been doing it for 35 years. But, um, but uh, yeah, man, I, I, I just love doing the, uh, the games. The women's, ga- the women's game has um, evolved into what the men's game used to be. Yep, it has. You know, you got inside play. You got, you know, Coach, Coach Moore runs a one in, four out, you know, <laughs> you know, with – Three shooters, four shooters around the center, you know, and and it works, you know, and he, he recruits well. And, you know, um, ever since I've been doing these games, I tell him, coach, if it wasn't for me, man, you, 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 you know, you wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't be winning all these games, man, because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you got the 83 guy with you, man. I'm, you know, I'm, ever since I've been doing games, you, y'all been ranked, you know, y'all were ranked 20, you know, you you won 20 games in a row one one year, you know, and we almost made it to the final four. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a ride, man. It's been a blast, and uh, and I love doing it. And, I, um, you know, and I like being around winners. <laughs> you know, they, they you know, they, Coach Moore is a winner, man. I mean, Good. his staff and the way they prepare for games and and uh, the scout that they do. And, you know, I just love being around it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm in – I'm I'm in the room where it happens with him all the time, you know, when he's players and going through the scouts and all that kind of stuff, man. I really enjoy doing that, man, and, and, and being around, you know, a winning program. We just beat Virginia. We took a bus up there, rode the bus back on New Year's, partying on the bus, having a good time, girls <laughs> singing, happy, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, on New Year's Day, on New Year's night, you know, having a blast coming back from uh, UVA. Could this be you know, could this be his best team ever? I'm still I'm still a Luis Canane, you know, Reina Perez, yeah. KJ, you know, it could be, you know, because I was I was through that whole I was there through that whole there, you know, from the start when it really started getting crazy for women's basketball at NC State and, you know, I I used to do games. Nobody was there in the arena, really. Nobody wasn't a whole lot of people there. <laughs> now in Reynolds, it's sold out. You know, that should tell you, you know, women's basketball is sold out in Reynolds Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. Thursday, you'll see. Sold out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the product that he's putting on the floor is uh, a great product, you know. And the way they're playing, I don't know. That's a good question. I, you got to give me five more games to tell you that. All right. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah. I guess you got to come back yeah. on then. 
Yeah. 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 Give me five. Give me five or six more games, and I can say this might be the best team he's had so far here. I mean, he's got he's got four McDonald's All Americans starting for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and the leading scorer was not a McDonald's All American. I mean, you know, Isaiah James. She, she's you know. She, she didn't have a great game against Virginia, but she's been averaging 16 points a game. And Sanaya Rivers is just an unbelievable player, yeah. uh, athletic, can get up and down, you know, plays point. I mean, and she makes it easy for River Baldwin. And and then you got uh, Madison Hayes, who was McDonald's All-American. I mean, he's got – he's looking like Connecticut. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, everybody's a McDonald's All-American. You got one coming off the bench and Zoe Brooks – who's a freshman who had a triple double. I mean, you know, you, he, uh, yeah, this might be his best team. Cause even Lisa Conan, she wasn't a McDonald's all American. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a, you know, she was a great player here. I mean, she was one of the all time greats. I, I'll give her, you know, that she played, you know, a lot of people thought she was soft. She was, she was not soft. She, she played hard. Yeah, she did. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, uh, she won three ACC championships in her career. Back to back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can't be soft and do that, you know, mm-hmm. and lead the team. You know what I mean? MVP, you know, uh, I'm a Lisa Conane fan. I mean, you know, but Raina Perez and that crew and Kai Crutchfield and, you know, um, those are legacy, you know, those are people that the people here never forget. But as far as talent-wise, this team, this team might be that. You know, as far as talent that yeah, he has, and, and he's able to work it together because Sanaya Rivers was, you know, she was Gatorade Player of the Year. When, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. in high school. I mean, you know, and uh, so yeah, this might be the most talented team. Yeah, he's ever I, know that, I know they just had uh, the holiday tournament up at Broughton last week, and and Zam Jones was there, so I imagine Coach Moore got a good chance to look at her as well. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, the number one player in the country is um is uh her father played here at nc state strong danny strong's daughter is uh in uh and uh what's that town um he was in fuquay but she's in uh man what's that town um she's the number one player in high school she's the number one high school player in the country, she's in, um, I forget what little town, it's right outside of uh, uh, Fuquay. Um, Holly but, Springs? No, not Holly Springs. Uh, there's some academy out there, and uh, I forget, but it's not too far away from me. It's not too far um, away from here. I forget the name of the town, but she's the number one player in the country. Is the number one high school women's basketball player in the country is in North Carolina and around this area. And her father is Danny Strong, who played here at NC State. Wow. So, you know, but we're not on her list. You know, maybe she doesn't want to play with her father play. We they're trying to <laughs> we're trying to work something out. <laughs> you know, we try to talk to I'm trying to get some, you know, she's looking at UConn and other schools or whatever, but I'm like, hey, the number three school in the country, third-ranked school in the country is right down the road. Come on, your father played here. Give us a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can really ball, though. 
What Sarah Strong from Grace Christian in Sanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sanford. That's the town. Yeah. Grace Strong. She's number one player in the country. Wow. <laughs> so you what talked, else we got for Ernie? So you, you talked about during that run how you were focusing on one game at a time. But breaking them down into individual moments, how did you guys not let you know the 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 moment of the situation get the better of you and to stay focused from from one even from one play to the next you know because that that's something that we we can look at <clears throat> with certain teams that you know that particular unit that's their first trip to the NCAA tournament all of a sudden you know the the bright lights turn on and you'll you'll see it across the country you know or or you know in the pros one team it's that that unit's first trip to the playoffs and you know they're not able to to get through. So how did you guys push through just to stick together and not let the size of the moment get to you? I mean, because we stuck together, you know. And Coach V, you know, his personality was kind of bigger than the game a little back then. I mean, he was you know a different guy, and and then we had senior leadership because a lot of the guys had already won in high school. You know, Sydney and they played for Damatha. You know, so they won a national championship in high school. You know, Witt and Sid and, you know, Thurl was from that area. But, you know, when I was in high school, I was on a, the second-ranked team in the country. You know, my the high school in the Bronx, Talentine. I was, you know, we were we were number two in the country as far as high school basketball at that time. You know, um, so I'm not saying we were on that type of stage because – when Coach V got here, I mean, he had made it to the tournament a couple of times with uh, Iona. But um, the year before I got there, they got beat in the first round by some, I uh, forget what school it was. They did, the only one, I think they won, they didn't win, you know, they didn't win the game. Um, and that was the first time Sydney and them were in the tournament because they didn't, when Norm was here, they didn't make the tournament. So, their last two seasons were the only time in their career where they made the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So the way we just stuck together and, 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 and at that time we had played a lot of great teams. We had played Notre Dame. We had played at home. We had played Keith Lee back then, Memphis state. We had played some great teams in Missouri with John Conkak. We, you know, and then the conference was unbelievable, you know, with, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, you know, Maryland was good. Um, um, you know, so you had to battle every night. Every game was on televised or whatever. So, you know, and then we had senior leadership. Those guys had played in the league and played against so been in so many different type of games. And we just we just didn't think about the lights, the cameras and, and what people thought. We were kind of in a, like a bubble. You know, and V kept us in that bubble. Like we didn't do a lot of interviews, or <laughs> you know, we, we we just after every game we had a good time. We wherever we were, you know, like if you watch that thirty for thirty, and the guy, uh, the shoe guy, was like, you know, John Thompson would have been like, "Be quiet, don't say nothing, don't," you know, we we you know we we won a championship. You know, we weren't tight because Coach V wasn't tight. We weren't. We were. 
just out there and having fun everywhere we went. You know, we we didn't have no curfews. We we just we you know, like V said, we went and checked the beds and all the beds were there. He wasn't lying. <laughs> he was not lying. Everywhere we went, we we had fun. We was in the club. We were we were having a ball. <laughs> do you, we were just think in it's... our rooms, just you know. I remember one time I was, you know, the video games like the, you know, Pac Man and all that. I remember playing Ralph Pac Man in a hotel, like you know, Ralph Sansom was bent <laughs> over playing, you know, uh, Space Invaders or whatever, Donkey Kong. You know, those were the video games you played in airports or whatever. They had them in the hotel lobbies. <laughs> you know, we. <laughs> We didn't care, man. We we just we laughed our way all the way to the national championship and won. That's awesome. Do do you think I mean, it's harder for for guys to focus now with all the distractions and social media and everything else like that? Oh yeah, I, I, it's it's too hard for those. I, I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, if they had social media back when we played, I mean, I don't even want I don't even want to think. I don't even want to think about, <laughs> think about you know. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Somebody taking a picture of you somewhere where you're not supposed to be, uh, <laughs> you know, or, you know, it's, um, so it, it, yeah, it, 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 I don't know how they do it. Every game, there's comments or, you know, if you had a bad game, a lot of people didn't know about it. You know, now mm-hmm. everything is out in the open, all over the country, you know, all over the media. If you sneeze wrong, if you, you know, if you went the wrong girl, <laughs> you know, you know, everything is exposed. You're at a party, you're not, you know, you, if you told somebody you was over here and you, you really over there, they could tell, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's I, I feel sorry for these guys. <laughs> it, it probably hurts, you know, the, the way you're describing the team camaraderie and, and, teams being able to build together as a unit you know it's good in, in terms of player empowerment that guys are able to go where they have the best opportunity and and you know if it, it, they can make the money for whatever they're it, can find now the it's, that's, it's available to them but it probably hurts the overall team camaraderie you you, you would think yeah because now it's like if your fan base before back then you know okay if the fans grumbled or said something behind your back or whatever they still loved you now it's like you know some some fan bases or athletes are fighting against their own fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, they, or they don't believe we can do it, or they, you know, I mean, it's just crazy now. You know, it's it's just a uh, it's a crazy crazy world because it's like, you know, it's us against the world. You know what I mean? And you know, you, you don't even believe your own fan base is backing you because a few knuckleheads is you know, you know, they yeah. booing players and. I mean, it's just crazy now, man. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, you know, when they were booing our quarterback, I was like, "What is this? Is this is ridiculous?" Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. These guys are not pros. I know they got nil or they're getting a little money or whatever, but you know, how are you gonna boo your own players? I mean, yeah. nobody did that, man. Nobody yeah, did that back that. in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a whole different world now. Mm-hmm. You know, and and these fan bases sometimes they get on these websites and. You know, and, and, and you're a kid, you, you, you're you not supposed to look at that stuff, but I'm sure these guys are. They're looking at what people think or what they're saying about them or even, you know, especially after they have a great game, but 
nobody wants to look when they had a bad game, right? <laughs> you know, what they say. It's just, you know, it, it hurts your confidence. It's, you know, it's tough enough that coaches got to lift you up, you know, after games that you, you didn't play well or whatever. But if you got a whole website of fans that are just, you feel like they're on your back or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just, it's harder now, man. I wanted to I wanted to ask you because uh, I know we're kind of running a little short on time here, but I wanted to ask because you guys played your final four game in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I, that that's probably not something that would happen again. Now the final four is played at these big, huge football stadiums, these sixty thousand c indoor retractable roof, grandiose venues. Uh, do you kind of miss the final four being kind of the way it was for you, where you know you were in? a place like Albuquerque that's not necessarily a gigantic city and it wasn't 60,000 people? Or do you kind of like it better now where the Final Four has a huge microscope on it with so many more people in attendance? Yeah, it's 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 a big business now, man. It's just, you know, it's a huge business. I mean, back then we would just toured around Albuquerque. And, you know, I'm watching this show now um, that was based in Albuquerque. Uh, what's, what's the guy with the... Uh, Breaking Bad? Huh? Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know, you see the desert out there or whatever. You know, I'm I'm back watching back. My wife and I are watching uh, Breaking Bad again. (laughs) And it's a great show. And it it was in Albuquerque. I was like, man, I remember being in Albuquerque, you know. And, (laughs) yeah, you didn't have, I mean, it was still, you know, the national championship. Right. But it was, we didn't have all the, everything you did, everywhere you went. People knew who you were. Or, you know, your fan base did. But, you know, back then you could sneak out and do whatever you wanted to do, you know, and be incognito or, you know. But now everything is so grandiose and the cameras are following you everywhere and the phones. And, you know, like you said, these huge, giant uh, arenas where I couldn't imagine shooting in those gym. You know, your depth perception on those giant court. You know, if you're shooting a corner jump shot from the – I mean, you have no – you have no arena the the book back it, it's a tougher shot if you the play raised basketball, floor also it's got yeah, a raised floor I also in, uh, i played in the dome i mean we played in minneapolis in ncaa and and the court was raised and it was just a different you know environment you know uh the game you know the, the court looked totally different you know what i mean so in mm-hmm. all these like you said grandiose type you know, 60,000 seat arenas to watch a basketball game. It's just, you know, nah, I, I'll take where we were at back then any day or what they got to go through now. I mean, it's just, it's just too much. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's all about a dollar. You're right. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about the money right now. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't back then, but it's more money involved in it now. So, you know, yeah. Well, you've got you so know, many great I- insights that, you know, all these li- life lessons and everything. Do you get the opportunity to share these with anybody in the younger generations or do any sort of guest talks or to, to pass oh, on yeah. some of the oh, lessons? Oh, yeah. I, I, do that. I do that all the time. I get asked to speak at a lot of places and, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yep. I spoke at uh, one of the high schools this season already. Um, they have a great football team up in uh, – I don't know if they won the state football championship. Um, oh man, I'm I'm pulling a uh, getting old, man. 
Um, <laughs> it's okay. But uh, <laughs> but um, I went and spoke to the high school football team. I, I went and spoke to the North South All Star game last year. You know, I get asked to speak at, at different events all the time, and it's you know I tell the kids, uh, you know, the game hasn't changed. It's just the attitudes of of people. You know, I mean, we're not playing with two basketballs. You know, the court's still 94 feet. You know, they didn't raise the basket yet. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's, you know, it's just, you know, you guys might be more, a little more athletic than we were back then. But, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, I get it from, I know what's going on in a lot of these kids' lives that are underprivileged. Because that's how I was when I grew up. You know, a lot of these kids, they, they grew they grew up in, they, they're still growing up in terrible environments, you know, single parent homes, you know, a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people don't know about. And I speak about that. And they, those, those kids are the ones that I reached. They don't they understand. This guy knows he, he's been through what I've been through. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I grew up in Harlem and, uh, you know, you know, a lot of these kids right now are going through a lot of mental and emotional stuff that a lot of people don't understand don't realize or understand right now. And I can, and I tap into that and tell them, Hey, if I can make it and I'm still here, <laughs> you know, it's going to be all right <laughs> for you. You know, it's, I've been through that. I've been there, you know, before, you know, before all of this, I made it, you know, I made it out of Harlem, man. You can make it out of wherever you have, you, you, you're from or whatever situation. Don't kill yourself. It's going to be okay. You know what I mean? It's going to be all right. You know, you don't have to go there, you know, talk to somebody, you know, and, and then I talk about basketball, but I, I you know, I, I bring it into a sports realm, you know what I mean? So I talk to a lot of young kids. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ernie, we've just had an absolute blast uh, talking yeah, to I you tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Me too, man. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to... Uh, we gotta go home, man. I gotta go to bed, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. Well, so let's just yeah. let's speed, speed round through our through our question of the day, our random question this week. Okay. Um, what is your favorite sports movie? And and I'll lead it off here just because you know I'm I'm the one that asked it. But uh, my favorite sports movie is Miracle, the, the one about the the 1980 USA hockey team. Okay. Um, criminally underrated movie, and how it didn't win any awards, I don't know. But that is my. I'm a my... Rocky guy, man. I'm Rocky. Yeah, I was gonna say, all right. Yeah, Rocky, I'm Rocky probably. Man. Which one? Yeah. The first one. Rising up, back in the, you know, that's that's me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky, man. Rocky, uh, Rocky Balboa, man. The first Rocky was like <laughs> unbelievable. I, you know, flying, nah, nah, you know, yeah, I had a tiger, <laughs> all that. <laughs> I'm gonna go Joel? last. I was gonna go last. Okay. Okay. I mine. I'm gonna go a different direction. Mine's a little. My favorite sports movie is Happy Gilmore. Okay. <laughs> and I know nice. you know it's not serious, but it's just it's it's funny and it's lighthearted. But I just I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. I want to get one of those big checks like he had to take to the bank. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we all yeah, want for- one of those, right? <laughs> Sim- similar to that, I, I almost picked uh, Caddyshack because, you know, it's a similar type thing, but it's almost so funny that it almost doesn't count as a sports movie. But, um, yeah, right. but you know, gro- growing up, uh, I, I loved the movie Sandlot. Just, you know, the idea of just uh, 
having kids in the neighborhood and, you know, getting a game together, uh, finding a place to play. It's it's really connected with me as a kid. And I, I really, really, I've always really enjoyed that movie. I don't know if this is technically counts as a a movie, but it's a, it's a documentary called uh, survive in advance. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I really like it. Yeah. One of those two. That's that's a, I've seen that so many times. Um, for real, Ernie, it's been so awesome talking to you. It's it's so for me. Like I was born in '96, so this is all just like lore to me. Like I've never, like I obviously wasn't around. So just hearing like the inside stories of all of it is is so cool. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you having me on, man. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, you know this, you, you know, you got me back and reminiscing about you know back in the day and you know that team and and uh we just had our 40th anniversary last year and it was mm-hmm. just you know awesome time and you know um you know the 80 the, the uh, 74 team is going to be on it this year but um but yeah man I, I appreciate you guys having me on and having me talk about you know it makes me feel good to talk about some old <laughs> old school stuff yeah. You know, it's, it's um, interesting how how these legends kind of get passed down, you know, and I moved to North Carolina when I was in middle school and in, in the early 90s and just read about it in the paper. And then when I went to NC State, just the stories are just in the air and you, you just you read about the stuff. And, and it's great to, you know, that people like you are still actively able to pass on the, you know, these memories. So, you know, yeah, it's just great you. to be alive and. You know, I'm gonna be 60 years old in, in February 1st, so I'm like, I'm kind of like, wow, you know, I, you know, guy coming from Harlem, I never thought I'd live this long, but um, but uh, but yeah, man, it's it's a blessing to still be here to, cause I meet a lot of kids on campus, and when they meet me, they're like, my dad, or my dad, my, you know, now it's like my grandfather, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh told me about you guys and you know that type of thing so it's it's it's, it's all good <laughs> awesome well i think that's gonna be where we uh, wrap up this week's episode of the Lotcast. again huge thank you to, to ernie for for joining us this week and uh, we'll be back for another episode uh, i believe next week uh, of the Lotcast here on trinity okay. road times as we we shift focus over into uh, into basketball season from uh, from football, uh, wrapping up here uh, this past week. So that's going to do it Go for pack. us. Uh, thanks, Ernie. Go Pack. And we'll Go see pack. you all next week. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>